Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend speak to us about fear. And so, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of an unexpected diagnosis, an illness? Are we afraid of a loss of a loved one? Maybe fear of failure in life? Fear of death? Are we afraid of tall places or confined places? Now, the answer to that question is one in which you can learn a lot about yourself and a way in which you order your life based upon that fear. Now, if you read the biographies of great people, often you find that object of fear in their life. Then you see how that fear is positively influenced on how that person lives their life, which makes them great. I'll give you a good example of this. President Abraham Lincoln I just finished a second biography about him. Now, Abraham Lincoln had two great fears, slavery and the spread that would destroy the Union, and the Union itself, after the war, would be essentially a fragmented country with individual states and no Union. Now, that fear motivated Abraham Lincoln, first of all, to end slavery. When he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, he abolished slavery once and for all. At the end of the Civil War, or towards the end too, he was a champion for peace. When the northern states wanted to extract revenge from the southern states starting the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln wanted nothing to do with it. He was a great champion of peace and also a unifier for the Union and united our country, which made him one of the greatest presidents in our history of our country. And so, fear is not always a bad thing. Instead, it's powerful. It's a powerful motivating force that shapes and governs how we live our lives. I'll give you another, maybe a personal example. Say, for example, you have a family history of heart disease. It runs through your families from generation to generation on both sides of your family, mother and father, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. Now, you think to yourself, well, I'm at risk. And so that becomes a strong fear for you that you might develop heart disease yourself. And yet, it also becomes a strong motivating force to change your life for the better. So what do you do? You start exercising on a regular basis. You eat a better diet. You watch your cholesterol and salt intake. Maybe you stop other things. Now you're living a very healthy life. And so you're reducing the risk of being diagnosed with heart disease. And so fear can be positive or a positive force in our life. 
Now, apply that to the spiritual life. Jesus is teaching us that in the gospel. Basically, we should all have one central fear, and that's to fear the loss of God in our life or the loss of friendship from God. Let that be a strong motivating force that now shapes and governs your faith life and how you live out your faith, such that what? You're always living the virtuous life because of that. Now, with that in mind, go to the first reading from Jeremiah. He, too, is living right now in fear. It's set in the context in which Jeremiah, for years and years, has been faithful in fulfilling the will of God. He has been faithfully preaching the will of God to the Israelites as a good prophet. Now, he's preaching against two things. The first one is idolatry, which you have to realize during the time of Jeremiah, the Israelite people for decades and decades were worshiping pagan gods. And so Jeremiah tells them, you can't do this. First of all, those are false gods. And there is only one God, Yahweh. And so it is important, vital, to turn back and begin to worship your true God, which is Yahweh. The second thing that he's preaching against is corruption, particularly in politics as well as the religious leaders. Consequently, many of these influential people are very upset. They don't want to hear the truth or God's message. Why? Because if they accept God's message, then they're naturally compelled to change, and they don't want to. They want to continue to be corrupt. They want the status quo to be maintained. So, because of Jeremiah's messages, Jeremiah now feels alienated from everyone, even his own family. Everyone now has turned against him. Worse yet, they're plotting, they're watching and waiting for any mistake that Jeremiah can make, and then they're going to kill him. Now, that's essentially how the first reading begins. The Israelites are waiting for any opportunity to kill Jeremiah and get rid of him. And so, yes, Jeremiah has been terrified for years. The Israelites have criticized him and intimidated him, and now it gets worse. Now they're threatening his very life. And yet, all those fears don't govern his life. Instead, there's one central or one overarching fear that governs his life, which is the loss of God in his life. Jeremiah knows and believes as long as God is in his life, he can persevere through the threats, the criticisms, and the intimidation. That's why he says, The Lord is with me like a mighty champion, and my persecutors will not triumph over me. Now, with that in mind, fast forward to the gospel. Jesus continues that same message about fear. As he tells the apostles, Be afraid of the one who can destroy body and soul in Gehenna. So Jesus is teaching the apostles that fear, yes, can be a strong motivating force in how we live out our faith. And so Jesus knows, just like Jeremiah, the apostles are going to face an onslaught of challenges as they continue the work of Jesus, establishing and growing our church. Just like Jeremiah, the apostles are going to face criticism, intimidation, and even threats. And we all know 
that many of the apostles were systematically hunted down and executed. And so Jesus is now teaching the apostles and us. Fear can be a powerful, motivating force that governs the way we practice our faith. I'll give you a good example of this. St. Thomas More. We just celebrated, or I should, I should say, our church celebrated his feast last Thursday. Now, St. Thomas More, the one central fear in his life was the loss of friendship from God. And that shaped him to be a very strong Catholic and a very strong man in integrity as well as character. Well, we all know the story of Thomas More. He lived during the time of King Henry VIII in England. In fact, Thomas More was the Chancellor of England. And King Henry VIII, he was upset with the Pope. Therefore, King Henry wanted to make himself the leader of the church in England. All he needed was Thomas More's acceptance and approval, his blessing, you could say. But Thomas More said no. He, would, he refused to do that. He essentially opposed King Henry VIII, and he refused to give in to him. He told King Henry that only the Pope is the head of the church. Now, did he lose everything because of this? Yes. He was stripped of everything. His title as chancellor, his property, his house, even his family. He was then thrown into prison. Now, did he regret the loss of all those things? Sure he did. Of course, he's human. But there was something more that frightened him. More than the loss of all those things. It was the loss of friendship with God. And this is why he said right before he was executed, I die, the king's good servant, but God comes first. See, Thomas More's fear governed his life to the extent that he became a strong Catholic as well as strong in his integrity and character, such that he would not allow his faith to be compromised or undermined, even if it meant martyrdom. Now, again, go back to that gospel where Jesus says, Be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. Well, if that's really our fear, then that's great. Here's why. Well, now it becomes a powerful motivating force for us to grow stronger in our faith. Just like Jeremiah and the apostles and Thomas More, now we're motivated every day to pray. We're motivated to give God right worship every weekend and going to Mass. We engage a lifestyle of stewardship, sharing our prayers and our prosperity and our skills and abilities with others and for God. We live the virtuous life, patience, prudence, kindness, forgiveness. See, then, like Jeremiah, we can honestly say, the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.